In the beautiful Puerto Rico lies a cemetery full of history, statuary, and located right next to the ocean. This cemetery is a colonial era cemetery and is located near Old San Juan. It is one of the most picturesque burial grounds ever. What lies beneath the Santa Maria Magdalena de Pasis Cemetery. This is Stones, Bones, and Shadows. Hi, friends and Tavophiles. Today, I am your host, Taylor. Unfortunately, our dear host is under the weather and is not able to use her voice to do this podcast. So she asked me to do it. And I am here with my husband, Marcus. Hello. Glad to be here. I'm not Lachelle. (laughs) Sorry. But I'm here. So this week, since we are kind of in charge of the podcast, we decided to do it on the cemetery that we kind of went to in Puerto Rico. Yeah. We've been to this cemetery. Well, just on the outside. We haven't been in the cemetery, unfortunately. Yeah. So when we first decided to go to Puerto Rico, we went with a big group of friends and that was one of the first things that I looked up with cemeteries because um, the podcast and I found this one and I really, really wanted to go to it. I was super excited because it has a bunch of really cool historical figures for Puerto Rico that are buried there and we get there and what happened? And it was closed. It was closed. It was closed. We tried to go like three different times. We did. And, uh, it's just closed and, you know, we went the first day and the sign says it's open from 8 a.m. to like 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. We were there in the middle of the day. It was closed, but it was a Monday. Mondays are kind of like a day of rest, like a day of rest for the Latin his, cultures, yes. I guess. I don't know. As I'm not going to pretend know. to be a Latin expert, but uh, well, a lot of things were closed just that day in general. And, yeah. Monday is basically their Sunday, I guess, is how it's kind of treated. And we went the next day, got there. We got there at 8. Yeah, we got there at 8. And it was not open still. Yeah, we asked somebody when it was going to open. They were like, oh, um, I think like 8.30, maybe Mm 9. So we hung around for like almost an hour. Still didn't open. Eventually we were just like, all right, this isn't going to happen. So we did try multiple times. We did. To visit this cemetery. And it just uh, wasn't in the cards. No, I was so sad and disappointed. I did get some pictures either from above because there's there's also a fort next to it, a military which, fort. Yes, which we did tour that. Yeah. And from there, you can look down into the cemetery. And I took several pictures that way. I also put my arms through the bars and took some pictures that way as well. But all in all, we did not get to physically go inside, and I was so sad. No, but we were there. We We were were there. there. 
I did the research before, so we have some people that we're going to talk about. So bear with us as we try to do the podcast today. Yeah. <laughs> as we try to fill in those beautiful shoes that Michelle has. We're going to try our best <laughs> to carry this podcast along. Yes, we are. So, as we said in the intro, Santa Maria Magdalena de Paisis. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Sorry, Latin community, if I'm saying it wrong. It's a colonial era cemetery, and it actually is located in Old San Juan, Puerto Rico, which is gorgeous, by the way. I think that was our, one of our favorite things that we did, was walk around Old San Juan. Yes, yes. If you ever go to Puerto Rico, definitely check out Old San Juan for sure. All the old buildings. Mm -hmm. It kind of had like a New Orleans vibe to it. Yeah, if you've been to the French Quarter in New Orleans, it was very similar because, you know, Spanish inspired and so is the French Quarter, even though it's called the French Quarter. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it is inspired by a lot of Spanish architecture and it's really cool there. Yeah, all the buildings are like pink and blue and green. And they're bright. Yes. Beautiful yes, colors. Mm -hmm. Very much so. So this cemetery, it's the final resting place for many of... Puerto Rico's most prominent natives and residents. Before it was designated an official cemetery, there was what was called a cementerio provisional on the same grounds dating to 1845. But construction for the official cemetery was actually in 1863 under someone named Ignacio Mascaro. And it was opened in 1865 with an expansion in 1884. So there's two sections in this cemetery. It's kind of blocked off by like an arch. I thought the arch was the entrance. Tell. Well, there's an arch to an entrance to like the first half. And then there's another arch that's closer to like the fort mm. that kind of blocked off the second half. And that's where that huge like dome-like building was. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it is split up into two sections. So the side closest to the chapel is the older section. I believe that's the side closest to the fort. Yeah. That's the oldest section. And then the side that's closest to the entrance is the newest section. So where we were supposed to enter, that's where some of the newer people are buried. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the fortress that it's near is called Fort San Felipe de Moro Fortress. So, the fort that shares a wall with the cemetery is about 40 feet high and about 15 feet wide. Yeah. So, yeah. This is a big wall. That's the wall that we stood on to look down into the cemetery. Yeah. Because you could kind of climb up, like, on a couple steps and stand and look down yes. in it. Which was really tempting to just stand on one of those things and try to climb down. But, like we said, it's 40 feet high, so that's impossible. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that wouldn't have been be. crazy. You <laughs> couldn't do it. No, we couldn't. Unless we it, wasn't, it wasn't 40 feet high. Not on that section. Not on but that the section. section on the older side yeah. was definitely 40 feet. Sure. Yeah, if only we had rope. Just kidding. <laughs> no, it would have been very obvious that we weren't supposed to be there because no one else was it in was there. It was close. And we would have been the only two people yeah. in there in the middle of the day. If you want to visit this cemetery, um, there is like parking that was there. Well, it was like five dollars or something, maybe ten. Yeah, you know, standard tourism parking. Yeah. So that's what we did the first time, and even to go to the fort. But the second time, we just took an Uber there, and it was like from where we were staying, it was like five dollars. Yeah. So really, either way, you're gonna have to pay 
for parking or to get there. But it is walking distance just to... No, there's some free parking in Old Town. There is. It's just busy. So it's hard yeah. to find some Busy, small streets. Yeah. And if you're not a parallel parker, then it's not for you. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Don't do it. <laughs> so the cemetery actually overlooks the Atlantic Ocean. And it's like right next to the ocean almost. Like there's a wall... Like, it's lifted up, like, on a platform, and then it's, like, the ocean is there. So, in the 19th century, Puerto Ricans viewed death with fear, and the placement of the cemetery overlooking the ocean actually symbolizes the journey your spirit has to take in order to cross into the afterlife. That is interesting. I did not know that. I will say the view from that cemetery is gorgeous. Yes. It is beautiful. It's a good place to be buried, I will say. I mean, yeah. it looks, it's really overlooking the ocean, and I don't think I've seen a better located cemetery. Mm-mm. And we've you know, been in some cool ones, mm-hmm. but this one, just the location, I can't speak too much about the inside and everything like that, but just from where it was located and the view it had, it was really top notch. Yeah. And it was really cool that it was right next to the fort, too. The fort was super cool, super worth going and seeing. Very much, yeah. It's huge. Yeah, for you. Lots of stairs, so if you don't like stairs or you can't do stairs, don't go. But yeah. there's a lot of stairs, but you know, even if you even if you just do the first level, it's good. Yeah, yeah, really that's cool true. and very good for you historical fanatics out there, um, mm-hmm. and for you, you know, people who are interested in. Old wars and things like that. It's really cool. I still have some old, you know, cannons and replica things like that that you can check out at the fort. But uh, mostly it was just giving me, you know, parts of the Caribbean kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. That's really what I was reminded of when I was there. Even with the cemetery and just everything. Yeah. And just the ocean and the view and the fort. I felt like Jack Sparrow might show up at any second there. <laughs> Had to turn the cannons on. You well, you don't turn were, cannons on. But. No, <laughs> we got what you mean. Yeah. You guys were all, like, really fascinated with the cannons, and there was, like, some old guns and stuff that yeah. you guys all really liked yeah. to look at. Yeah, we had some friends there who very much tried to take weaponry. Yeah, it, it was chained. It's chained, and you just you don't have to touch everything when you go to the museum. No. These were the... the you were allowed to touch these things. I like, guess you were allowed to touch them. that out but there. It they not, they're not meant to be taken rules, off. But no, they were not meant to be taken from. Yeah. Yes. But they very much wanted to do that. Also, if you buy a pass to one fort, you actually get access to all the forts in Old San Juan. And it lasts for 24 hours. So if you just want to do a whole day of just doing forts, that's the way to do it. That's enough travel tips. That's enough travel tips. Yeah, this, this, isn't, isn't travel this isn't podcast. a travel podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We're already failing at taking over. Yeah. We're just giving travel recommendations. <laughs> Not even cemetery talk. <laughs> You'll have to forgive us. So there is a chapel in the middle of the older side of the cemetery. And it has a circular red domed neoclassical chapel. And it's dedicated to the namesake of the cemetery. So Santa Maria... Magdalena de Passi. She is an Italian mystic from the mid-16th century with numerous miracles following her death. She was canonized in 1669 
and has a very strong cult following in Florence, Italy. So that's a little bit about the cemetery. So now we're not going to just dive into like one specific person in this podcast. We're going to go through some of the historical people that are buried there and just some of the facts. So it's just going to kind of be little tidbits here and there about different people that are buried there. So one grave that we were actually able to see because it's right across from the entrance was a man named Jose Ferrer. Is this the one you stuck your hands in? Yes, this is the one that I was like, oh, that was so cool. So I stuck my hands through the fence and I took a picture of it as best I could. Well, good old Jose Ferrer. um, He was a celebrated actor, theater, and film director. So he's all three, the Triple Crown, man. He was the first Puerto Rican actor. Not just Puerto Rican, actually. The first Hispanic actor to win an Academy Award. Uh, He won the Academy Award for... Serrano de Bergerac in 1950. He got multiple other accolades and things like that for acting and directing in various films like The Strike or Stay Like 17 or The Four Poster. He had some credits that included Lawrence of Arabia. That's a pretty famous movie there yeah, that we've is. heard of. And he did a stint on the 1980 show Newhart. In 2012, the United States Postal Service get a stamp in Ferrer's honor in their Distinguished Americans series. He got his own stamp. Nice. And That's a real goal in life, to get your own goal. stamp. So he did a lot of great things. He's an Oscar winner. And like I said, he's the first Hispanic uh, actor to win an Oscar. And you can't ever take that away from him. And, That's so cool. I um, didn't know that. So you can always check out the blog to see a photo of his grave. Mm-hmm. You want to describe it a little bit for us? What it would look like there? I mean, it's huge. It's like it's bigger than a lot of the other <laughs> burials that are there. He was obviously a very important person to uh, Puerto Ricans, and he Already probably had out. the money yeah. to do yeah. all of that. Sure. Basically, there is. It's kind of like a. It's a semicircle um, wall, and like a marble wall. Right? Yes, Big. marble wall slab of marble Mm -hmm. and in the middle it has a cross along with kind of maybe like an altar um that has like a like something draped over it which i'm sure there's some symbolism which lachelle would which lachelle would know and be able to tell you (laughs) could we google it yes are we going to no because you can google it so sorry our little Sosmos and Shadows fans um hopefully you love us not just for all of our information but maybe um we can have my mom come on and tell you guys all of that another time but in front of all this there is on the left side there is a woman who is kneeling down and in front of it and she looks as if she is mourning she has a veil that's covering like half of her face and then on the right side there are three children one is a boy the other two are depicted as girls and one is shorter than the next so they're kind of like steps down you know and they're all looking at this cross and what looks to be maybe an altar 
that's pretty much it. There's definitely more detail to it, but we will post pictures so that you guys can see it. That is the one that you definitely can't see. So actually, his son, who was also an actor, his name is Miguel Ferrer, and he's remembered for playing... Is he buried there too? Mm-hmm. Oh. I don't know if they're in the same plot, Yeah. but they are buried, they're in the same cemetery. I mean, that plot's big enough, it should be. I'm sh- I think it is, both of them, but... But he's remembered for playing Dr. Garrett Macy in the television series Crossing Jordan. Whoa. And as Owen Granger in NCIS Los Angeles until oh, he died. I'm sure there's some fans of that show. Mm-hmm. Since he was born into this family of, you know, well-known entertainers, um, his father being Jose Ferrer and his mother was singer Rosemary Clooney, who is also the cousin of actor George Clooney. So it just kind of had like an entertainment type family. Yeah. Um, he initially took interest in music and learned how to play the drums when he was younger. And he actually contributed to the Who's drummer Keith Moon's solo project, The Two Sides of the Moon, in 1975. Then he gravitated towards acting. So he was trained at the Beverly Hills Playhouse, and his debut was in an episode of Magnum P.I. in 1981. So he was also known for his voice work on animated series like Jackie Chan Adventures and Young Justice. He has film credits for Robocop in 1987 and Point of No Return in 1993. So then on January 19th, 2017, Ferrer died at his Santa Monica home of throat cancer at the age of 61. At the time of his death, he was married to a producer named Lori Weintraub. He had two sons and two stepsons, and he is buried next to his father, Jose. We'll put a picture of who these people are as well on the blog and also on social media so that you know who they are. All right. Now, another prominent figure buried in this cemetery is Ramon Rivero, also known as Diplo. Ramon, he was an actor, a comedian, an activist. He was basically the Charlie Chaplin of Puerto Rico. Diplo was his comedic character persona, kind of like Mr. Bean about that. Rowan Atkins is not really Mr. Bean, but uh, he created this character who's comedic and funny, and that's kind of what Ramon did with Diplo, and he just skyrocketed into popularity. But he used his celebrity to become a political activist, and he organized the world's first known walkathon, and that was to raise money for Puerto Rican, uh, the Puerto Rico League Against Cancer. In a four-day walk, he raised eighty-five thousand. And this was in 1953, so at that time it would have ended up being like $7,500,000 today. He wrote more than 3,000 scripts for radio, theater, television, and motion pictures, and composed more than 10 songs, as well as authored What Makes People Laugh, his untimely death at the age of 44, so still a pretty young man. 44 is young, don't let anybody tell you, it's not for you 44-year-olds, um, still young out there. His death prevented him from... A much-anticipated film with Hollywood actress Rita Hayworth. And Rita Hayworth was pretty popular in Hollywood back in those times. Long before my time, but uh, I'm sure there's somebody out there who remembers those wonderful Rita Hayworth films. But Rivero is considered to be one of Puerto Rico's national heroes. And one of their greatest and most influential comedians. Maybe the greatest. 
most influential comedian. Diplo continues to make people laugh, I'm sure, just like Charlie Chaplin. Um, and Mr. Bean. And Mr. Bean, the Charlie Chaplin of our generation. <laughs> but, um, is he <laughs> So, that is Ramon Rivero, also buried in this beautiful, wonderful cemetery. Okay, so the last person I would like to talk about is someone named Muna Lee. She was an author, and she was born in Raymond, Mississippi, but she lived for many years in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and she was a cultural affairs specialist for the U.S. State Department. So her fame rests on one volume of poetry called Sea Change in 1923, which was praised by William Faulkner, among others. And Lee's 13 other books include five mystery novels written in collaboration with another author named Maurice Guinness, who used the pseudonym Newton Gale, as well as translations of Spanish-language poets. Her work was really neglected for decades, but recently has enjoyed kind of a revival in interest. People have really like looked into more of her stuff. But she was also an important feminist. So in 1918, Muna Lee lived in New York City, and she began working as a confidential translator for the U.S. Secret Service, which is crazy. And then she also started her writing career and a poet during that time. Um, as a feminist leader, Lee made important contributions to the modern women's movement, in particular, the struggle for equal rights. She was actually a founder of the Inter-American Commission of Women. And then in 1941 is when she joined the U.S. State Department for a cultural affairs specialist. Jose de Diego is a poet and later politician who was buried in this cemetery. Um, he's a very prominent figure, so prominent now that he has his own day in Puerto Rico. Also, there are numerous schools and parks and things named after him, even schools in the mainland U.S., in Miami, New York, and Chicago, and places like that have schools named after this man. He was dubbed the father of modern Puerto Rico poetry. His most noted poetry books are Pomorosas, Jovios, Cantos de Rebeldia, Cantos del Petier. Pretty sure all in Spanish, but I'm sure it's beautiful poetry if you know Spanish or if you know somebody who could translate it for you. After his poetry, definitely got into politics and became another name given to him, which was the father of the Puerto Rico independence movement. So at the time, well, as we all know, or some of us may know, Puerto Rico is not a state, but it is a territory, U.S. territory. But he was very, very involved with starting an independence movement for Puerto Rico to be its own island, its own entity, its own being. That hasn't happened or didn't happen, but uh, he was responsible or noted as being a key figure or the key figure in starting a party to push that agenda of being its own independent place. So, like I said, a very prominent figure buried in the cemetery. So a lot of history, a lot of great people in there. Once again, it's a very beautiful place. And that cemetery has a lot of key features. One being that a lot of the... It's not a bunch of underground or buried graves with 
headstones. It's a lot of above ground, I guess tomb is the word, but they're not, they're not buildings necessarily. But I, I believe, believe they're called coping tombs because we saw some that look just like that in New Orleans. Yes, it is similar to what they have in New Orleans. We talk about this in the, in the Lafayette Cemetery episode if you want to go back and listen to it. But basically, a coping tombs are they dig like a 10 foot hole and then they encase it in cement and then fill it with dirt after so that when water comes in because it's right next to the ocean of course so if there's hurricanes or anything like that then the casket won't float up out of the ground so but it does have stone on top of it yes yeah they pretty much all have stone on top of it yeah and that is because it's right next to the ocean and there are hurricanes that go through there it's so that they don't just lose their cemeteries that way makes sense safety feature Makes sense, yes. A lot of crosses in the cemetery, another prominent feature. Um, Obviously, it's probably a very Catholic area, um, and it is, or was next to a church, or there was a church there at one point, right? Yeah, it's not an operational church anymore, but it used to be like the 1800s. So, the crosses are very present there on most of, or a lot of the graves, and also another key feature is that a lot of these graves and headstones and statues and things are all white like uh, a white stone or marble or you know some sort of white white element Mm -hmm. i think that's due to it being right next to the ocean i think if they were just your typical standard gray headstones made out of just you know regular rock and stone they would turn and fade get really mossy and but these are very clean and crisp and pretty much everything in there is a white marble or stone or something like that so those are some key features to to see in this cemetery and um, those are just a little bit of fun facts there to go on top of the prominent figures that we discussed that are buried in there we'll be right back after this message Welcome back. Now that we are back from our little break, we are actually going to talk about the fort that we went to. The fort was called Fort San Felipe del Moro. In 1493, Puerto Rico was discovered by Europeans. And then in 1508, a man named Ponce de Leon. See? Parts of the Caribbean. Uh Uh-huh. Comes right back along. Mm Mm-hmm arrived on the island to establish a settlement. San Juan was settled shortly after the forts were created. So first the forts, then the city. Then the city. They said, we gotta defend this first. So actually, Castillo San Felipe del Moro was under constant repairs and renovations for 250 years. It was initially constructed in 1539, and then actually from 1893 to 1961, it was a part of the U.S. Army Fort, and it was called Fort Brooke. Yeah, that's right. I remember uh, reading about that when we were there on one of the plaques. Yeah, that it actually was a fort that they used in World War II still. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they ever actually had it put to use, but it was definitely available if they needed it. So one of the reasons why El Moro was in construction for so long is because the threat from Spain's European rivals were growing and so they continuously had to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. So we did go down into this one room that said it was the original. Yeah, the original kind of a holding area, Mm -hmm. main room of the fort. 
Yeah. And from there, they just kept building it bigger and bigger. Yes. So it could... F- more. Yes, so it could fortify the island. So things like batteries and defense works were added to the tower in the 1580s, but then the city was left unprotected. So then after there was a devastating Dutch attack in 1625, the Spanish built a system of walls and strong points to defend the city. So at first we just had like one tower and then some defensive tactics, but that was it. But the city was not protected at all. So then eventually they decided, "Mm, maybe we should build these really tall walls, which the walls are huge and very impressive. Because of El Moro's location, and it's at the entrance to the San Juan Harbor. It served as a key element of their defenses well into the 1900s. So American artillerymen scanned the horizon for hostile ships from the El Moro, much like their Spanish predecessors did before them during World War II. So in March 1915, while World War One was raging in Europe, and on the high seas, the United States was neutral at this time. So when the armed German supply ship, Oldenwald, thank you, tried to leave San Juan Harbor without permission, Lieutenant Teofilo Markswatch of the Puerto Rican Regiment ordered his men to open fire on the ship, forcing it to return to port, and that incident led to German protests of anti-neutral behavior. There's a lot of historical information. We didn't look at every single one of them, because there was so much. But those are just a few tidbits of what we found out about the fort. They have a lot of amazing pictures of anti-aircraft guns during that time. To end it all, there was one plaque that said, why is it called El Moro? It actually owes its name to the headland where it sits. So El Moro means the headland, a high point of land that extends into a body of water. That's why it's called El Moro. Well, Taffophile friends, this will conclude our episode. In conclusion, we just want to thank you for being here at the podcast. And we want to thank all of our Patreon members. If you do want to become a Patreon, you can go to our website at stonesbonesandshadowspodcast.com and follow the links there and they will connect you to our Patreon. And we just wanted to thank you for bearing with us since we don't have our awesome, amazing host today. Yeah, thanks for letting us fill in and talk mostly about our trip to Puerto Rico and how much you know we enjoyed it and just sharing our experience. It may not have been the typical Stones, Bones, and Shadows format, but we made it our own little thing and it'll be back to normal when your wonderful host heals up and is able to do this again. But thanks for listening to us. Yep, we just want to wish my mom, Lachelle, a speedy recovery and that she'll be back soon. Thanks again, guys. This was Stones, Bones, and Shadows. You can see photos and more information about the cemeteries we explore and find our sources at stonesbonesandshadowspodcast.com. Also, don't forget to check us out on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok, where you can interact with us. As always, we love to hear from our listeners.